Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. I'm Bishop Heather Shea of the United Palace of Spiritual Arts, here with my co-hosts for Open Heart Conversations, Reverend Dr. Jose Roman and Reverend Rob Way. Today, we will explore the power of ritual with Barbara Bijou. Thank you for joining us. I know you believe strongly in rituals, but... Why should everyone be interested in ritual? Okay. First of all, to me, ritual is such an ancient spiritual tool. And today, based on all the neuroscience and all the science that we know, to me, it's really kind of like the spiritual tech of this century, to be honest. Ritual has the power to literally shift our consciousness And when done with clear intention, it really brings you into your heart center, which, as I know you all know, the key to living a spiritual life is truly to be coming from your heart and let your head kind of take over after. So the heart guides and then the head comes in and gives you the structure and helps you manifest. And in that way, we have more resource to become connected to other people. It's a way of honoring where we are, honoring where we've been, and honoring where we're going. So that's kind of the short answer. I could talk for hours, and I'm sure we'll do more as we go along. Barbara, ritual um, has a very long and, and rich history. Can you speak to us about that history? I think when we really look at it, the earliest rituals when I've been doing all my research really go back to storytelling. When ancient cultures would come together and they would share stories, and a lot of them were based on their mythology and cosmology of their relationship to the universe, their relationship to Mother Earth, their relationship to each other. But it was truly a framework. It was a structure. It was an anchor that allowed you to go through all the different transitions that we, we, that we go through in life and to bring some meaning into everyday occurrences. And this I found in every ritual, every culture I've ever studied on the planet really all has that same core message. Well, so, so if we really drill down, what is a ritual? And what makes an action a ritual? So a ritual to me, and part of this I learned, I must say, from the wonderful, I don't know if you ever got to meet Angelus Arian um, back in the day when she was around, but I remember one of the things she was talking about as ritual is a way to consciously move you from one state to another through the means of 
gifting, through the means of honoring, through the means of um, sharing different elements. So it really, I mean, when we think of something that everybody understands, everyone understands the wedding ritual. It is a way to move from being single into a state of coupledom and, you know, a new way. You understand the blessing of a baby. You understand a graduation. It's the end of one stage and it's an honoring and move you to the next. And really, if you take it in that context, everything can become a ritual. So your morning tea can become a ritual of connecting to you. Walking your dog with intention can be a ritual of connecting to your dog, to nature. That's what we have talk about walking meditation, moving meditation, where you're bringing consciousness. So intention is very important when we're looking at ritual. There are many rituals that people do. To me, I call them rote rituals. They don't even know what they mean. There's no juice left in them anymore. They're just doing it because someone said they should do it. That's not the kind of ritual I personally care about. I care about ritual that's meaningful. So if it's traditional um, religion, that's fabulous. If you need something extra, then let's add it. Because right now we all are desperate for meaning and for new tools. I feel like right now we've been bullied for the last bunch of years between COVID and politics and everything. So we're like wounded warriors, all of us. And There's nothing that is going to move us through it unless we can connect through our heart and to each other. And that's where ritual comes in to me. Barbara, I've had situations where people have said things like, oh, you know, I have a ritual of brushing my teeth in the morning. And I kept thinking that can't be a ritual. You know, it's certainly not like I got married in September, for example. That was a ritual. So there has to be a difference between ritual and routine. And what is that difference? Okay, so for me, if I'm just brushing my teeth, it's a routine. If I am brushing my teeth with the consciousness of bringing health to my, that's one of my health rituals, that I am framing it as, as I brush my teeth, I am connecting to my body and I am sourcing health, then it can shift more to a ritual. My morning shower, for example, is a ritual of purification. I am very intentional about calling on the energy of the water to release anything I'm holding onto that may um, block my day any anxiety, any sadness, any fear, any concerns I'm having. So I literally look at it as a ritual of purification. And that is my morning ritual, part of it anyway. Um, so my shower is not a routine to me. It is definitely a ritual. I know people who do it as a bath at the end of the day to let go consciously of the day. And, you know, as we all know, the one thing that people can use without um, worrying about being, ta- you know, triggered is earth. So nobody minds using earth, water, fire, and air. We're not talking about, you know, a, a statue of Christ. We're not talking about Shiva. We're not talking about Yemen Jah. We're talking about the earth. So that's the simplest way. So to use those kind of things, as I said before, my morning tea is a ritual of connection. I turn my phone off. I'm very intentional about as I drink my tea, I do my journaling. I might read some inspirational poetry. That's part of my morning ritual versus I'm just grabbing a cup of coffee or tea on the go in the afternoon because I need a, you know, a little adrenaline shot. Then that's not necessarily a ritual for me. 
So I want to explore this just a little bit more. The difference between ritual and routine then is intention and state of consciousness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Almost anything can become a ritual if it is conscious. So, I mean, people laugh at me all the time because they know, you know, every time I see a bridge, like I'm walking in Central Park and I'm walking over a bridge for me, okay, opportunity to let go of the old. And when I get to the other side of the bridge, I'm lighter. You know, I mean, that's just how my mind thinks at this moment. But, you know, you can turn walking over a bridge into a ritual of moving into the future. And I don't mean to make light of it, but I think sometimes we get too heavy about it. And that's what stops people. Um, some of the best rituals I've ever learned about came from little kids. And they certainly didn't study it in a book. You know, one little boy, for example, um, five years old, and uh, the nephew of a son of, of a friend of mine called me. She calls me up and she goes, you know, my nephew called me up and he wants us to come over. And he used the word. He said, I want to do a ritual for my father. His mother, um, when his mother gave birth to him, his father died. So he never met his father. And here is a five-year-old telling his aunts to come over and let's do a ritual. His mother is not religious, doesn't even talk about rituals. I have no idea where he even got the idea. He asked them all to come over, and he wanted, as he said in his words, remember, five years old, he wanted his father to be proud of him. So he brought out everything that was important to him, his baseball cards, a hat he had, he played a song on the piano. He asked them to light a candle because he wasn't old enough. And he then wanted them to share stories about his father. He did this ritual till he went through law school. That's how important it was to him. And he created it at five. One year he asked people to bring his father's favorite junk food. He wanted to know what candy his dad liked. You know, it was his way of connecting to the ancestors, if we really look at it. It was an ancestor ritual created by a five-year-old. Wow. So so is a ritual the same as a ceremony? Ceremony to me is part of ritual. So you can have a ceremony within the ritual. Um, a ceremony in itself may or may not be a ritual the way I'm defining it. But, you know, as you know, for a wedding, the actual ceremony you know, is part of the ritual, yet there are other parts before and after it that also, you know, may be ritualized, so to speak. Are rituals form of spiritual practice? For me, they're totally a form of spiritual practice. Again, when done with consciousness, it opens you up to something greater than you are. It really does, because you're co-creating. So a ritual needs a beginning and an end. And most rituals will start with something, take a deep breath, light a candle, turn a light off or on, um, ring a bell, um, chant. So immediately you're, you know, engaged in other resources. And then when you're ending, you're saying amen or thank you or blowing out the candle, you know, so it's a very contained energy and it's definitely a spiritual practice. Which I guess raises then the question of um, what is that relationship to the spiritual? What is the relationship of ritual to the spiritual? What What is the spiritual within the context of a ritual? 
Well, you know, there are so many different kinds of rituals. For example, during COVID, well, right now, um, at this particular time, um, I am being asked, and I'm suggesting to everybody, by the way, that this is a time for a COVID space cleanse. We need to clear our energetic homes. We've all been stuck inside. It's now a year for most people, um, and especially if you have kids at home. So your kids are going to school, you're trying to work, you're trying to live, and the energy is really stuck. And part of a space clearing is not just to burn a little sage and walk around and going, okay, it's cleared. It's to connect. The true way of doing it is to connect to the spirit of the land. You know, when we really look back to indigenous cultures where it started, they understood there was a connection between you and the land and the spirit of the land. So in a traditional space clearing, you literally open the door, introduce yourself and connect to the spirit of the land and invite that spirit to co-create with you a safe and sacred place. And then you can do the bells and whistles. You could do the sage. You could do the clapping, the bells, the chant, the holy water, you know, all the other things. But without that connection to the spirit of the land, you're not really doing it in a way that will assure that you're going to truly clear out and sanctify your space. So are there, are there different types of rituals? There are, I mean, there are so many rituals that it go, first of all, there's rituals for every transition. Every, for right now, we're about to enter into spring. So there are rituals around the planet. Um, some are for the new year, because like the, per, there's a Persian new year coming up right now. Um, the spring equinox is here. We're moving into Passover. We're moving into Easter. So this is a time now. See, there, so there are seasonal rituals. There are rituals around the moon cycles, the new moon and the full moon. There are rituals around, as I said, graduations. So graduating from preschool, graduating from high school, graduating from college, graduating from business school, starting a job, ending a job, moving into a home, leaving a home, um, weddings, marriage. As I said, I have been doing this year more fertility rituals probably than I ever did before on Zoom. I mean, this is where we talk about spirit. Spirit works through Zoom. I mean, I have people who are pregnant through doing rituals on Zoom to get pregnant. And again, it's not about me. It's about, that's where you talked about spirituality. We are connecting to a greater um, resource and also relaxing the body enough so the natural hormones can be healthier and make an easier time for someone to potentially get pregnant. So um, there's um, prosperity rituals. There are grieving rituals, and then there are rituals that are individual and rituals that are collective. Um, I was delighted, and this is not political, but I was really, really delighted when Joe Biden took over that we actually did a collective ritual to acknowledge the people who we lost in COVID. You cannot have a collective grief without a collective ritual. You know, it's too big. It's way too big. It's not like losing one person. You know, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people. So, you know, we have all of those type of rituals. And then you can make up rituals. For example, you know, I do a lot of adoption rituals for people or becoming a parent ritual, which in most traditions doesn't totally exist. You know, rituals to bring in happiness, 
So there, there's all different types of things that you could create right now. We need to be creative. And then I do business rituals for people. So I have something very simple. I made a jar and I wrote success on it. And every time you're in, just say you're in a business team, every time somebody does something positive, I tell them to put a penny, a quarter, a dime in, and then they get to watch it grow. So as a team, it helps motivate them. They get to see, oh, well, look how much we've really done. You could do this individually too, by the way. It's a great motivation, just like you could do it for gratitude. Every time you feel grateful, put money in a jar, and when the jar is filled, give it away to somebody, you know, as a random act of kindness. So those are the kind of things that, to me, make your life more manageable, doable, and sacred all at the same time. To some extent, Barbara, you may have gotten to, uh, to some of what I'm uh, the heart of the you know the question I'm about to ask. Because given all of these types of rituals, then at, at the deepest level, what then is the purpose of ritual? Ritual for me is a way of okay. For me personally, it's a way of bypassing my mind. Because it goes directly into my heart and it opens me up. And let me give you a very personal example. When I was six weeks pregnant, I was in my 20s, my sister died of a brain tumor. And I didn't have a clue how to deal with that kind of grief. My parents didn't have a clue. My brother didn't have a clue. Nobody knew what to do. And the only thing that they could do for me was to warn me not to grieve too much because maybe I will hurt my unborn child. So when you think about it, here is this, you know, 25-year-old girl being told don't grieve because maybe you're going to have a deformed child if you grieve too much. I mean, talk about a heavy burden. They didn't mean it. They truly didn't mean it. They just didn't know what to do. So I stuffed it down, obviously, I mean, I remember going sometime into a closet to cry so no one would see me because I was like horrified anyone would see me cry. Years later, when I really got into my spiritual path and I found, you know, some teachers, I was in a retreat in Arizona and part of it was three days of fasting and silence. And as you all know, if you've ever been in a retreat, it's not even so much about the fasting. To me, it was the silence. I'm from New York. <laughs> you know, you can't talk for three days. Oh, my God. And you couldn't read. You couldn't look anything up. I mean, you really were deprived of outside information. You had to really connect to your own inner knowing. And I got a very strong message. It's time for a healing ritual. But I couldn't ask anyone. I didn't know what that meant. So I just... Climbed up a mountain, I remember that, and I had like a little sage with me, and I just wandered around until I found this grandmother tree, I mean, this giant tree, and I literally found myself on my hands and knees, rocking, literally rocking back and forth, digging a hole, crying, praying, and talking to my sister. And after a period of time, and I didn't have a watch, so I don't know how long it went on, I felt like something had been lifted from me and I closed up the hole. I remember put the sage on and got up and I started walking back to where I was staying down the mountain and it started to pour. And I just thought, God is just purifying me. 
I mean, I'm just, you know, it's like a baptism or something. Got back to my room and, you know, I just wrote and wrote and wrote. Days later, when I came out of silence, I remember sharing with some people. And one woman said to me, she was Cherokee. She goes, you know, you did a Native American grief ritual. And I said, no. She goes, we believe that you give your grief to Mother Earth. You find the biggest tree you can. You dig a hole and you pour your grief into it. Okay. This is what I mean by bypassing the mind. Then the dan- a dancer was there and she said, you realize the movement you did, the rocking back and forth, was used in ancient Mesopotamia to release grief out of the body. I have chills even telling you this, and this is so many years ago. And again, I went, no, not a clue, had no idea. And then years later, when I was teaching in Bali, I remember it rained after a ceremony, and they said to me, oh, that means the gods have heard you if it rains after ceremony. So here I am pulling in three different cultures without consciously knowing it's that collective unconscious. And that, to me, is the beauty of ritual. It can do that. If you trust, if you have faith, and if you know how to move into that heart space. I think that's the biggest thing. If you're trying to do it from your head and like produce a Broadway show, it's not going to have that same. And I do Broadway show blessings. I'm actually doing my first one next week. I'm really excited. In two weeks, I'm doing it. We're opening a theater in Union Square. But, you know, you can't do this from your head and have the same results. So it literally forces you to learn how to come from your heart and to open up. And that's why, for me, they've been so incredibly powerful. And I know the people that I work with, that's why it's been important for them. So, Barbara, given, given this story, what is it in ritual that can help someone? What is it about ritual that could literally allow the ritual to essentially improve somebody's life or help somebody's life? It, it's a spiritual tool. And it creates a container, literally. It's sort of like you want to, you know, cook spaghetti. You want a pot that doesn't have holes in it. So it can, you know, really contain whatever it is you're cooking. It's the same thing energetically. It contains your energy on one hand, anchors it, grounds it, and then opens it up for information. So it's both opening and grounding. But it is a contain. I always look at it as an energetic container. And that's why, to me, ritual is so incredibly powerful. You know, whether it be five minutes or you could have rituals that last for days, as you know. Right now, we're in Shivanatri. It's like you spend an entire night in prayer. I remember being in India years ago, you know, and it was almost, it was sort of like being in Cirque du Soleil a little bit. I was at Sadhguru's ashram in South India, and he had elephants and fire eaters and chanters. And I mean, it was like this giant thing. However... It was a container for people. Hundreds of thousands of people came and were praying and chanting for 24 hours. And that is powerful, as you know, to be with a group of people who are all chanting and, you know, opening up to some divine energy and to bring themselves to raise. It also raises your frequency. You know, there's a lot of talk now about the divine feminine energy on the planet and For me, the divine feminine energy is a heart-based energy. It's a frequency of the heart. So to get there, you know, you're not going to be like figuring it all out. You have to drop in. 
And that's what church does for people. That's what temple does for people. You drop in for that time. You listen to the prayers. You listen to the chants. You're with like-minded people. You know people are there for healing, for, you know, different. It might be slightly different, but at the core, it's all the same. It's for healing. So so what's required for a ritual? So what's simply required is have a clear intention of what you want to be. I mean, I have people call me up the time, can you do a ritual to stop smoking? And it's like, not unless you really want to stop smoking. You know, we could create a lot of rituals, but unless you're serious, they're not going to work. So a real clear intention. It must have a beginning and an ending, like I said before, even if it's just taking a breath and then saying it's over, you know, even to yourself. Um using any kind of symbols that you want, but that are meaningful to you. It's not about others. For example, when my mother was 80, after my dad had been gone for a while, um, she met someone and he moved in with her. And my brother called me up and he goes, okay, ritual lady, what are we going to do? You know, here are these very conservative two Jewish Long Island people moving to Florida, you know, and I'm supposed to do a ritual. No, I'm not going to bring my Ganesha. I'm not going to bring my sage. So I simply had a, a picture frame made with their name on it and brought two wine glasses, a bottle of champagne. And I said, this is a welcome to our family ritual. That simple. And do you know, from that moment on, he told me later, it's the first time he really felt like he was part of our family. And he needed that. And again, it was very simple. Welcome to our family. But because we took the time, we used symbols that were meaningful to them. You know, the champagne was meaningful to them. Having a picture frame with both their pictures and it was meaningful. The fact that we flew down was meaningful. You know, so that more than anything, I think, is the core to ritual. Yes, I can tell you what every crystal and aromatherapy means and all the symbols. You know, we can go into that if you want to do that. That's great. But it's not 100% necessary to have a meaningful ritual. So to, to that end, do, do rituals need words? Do they need words? That's a very good question. Well, you know, I mean, just when you meet someone and you just put bow your head down, that doesn't need words, and that says that is a ritual of connecting, you know. So there are things, giving somebody, just smiling and giving someone a flower on the street who you don't know, that could be a ritual of kindness, and you don't need a word for that. I think sometimes people like to hear the words. They're important to them, but that's just as nice. I mean, if someone walked up to me, a stranger, and handing me a rose and smiled I would consider that an act of love and kindness and connection. Barbara, uh, when should someone, um, obviously people, anyone can create their own ritual. And you've, you've said that over and over again in, in this conversation. When should someone create their own ritual and when should they consider bringing someone in to help them with a ritual? Okay. Well, there are times like a wedding ceremony 
where you want someone to hold the energy. I mean, I always think of myself as a midwife when I do wedding rituals for people. I am the midwife for them ushering into this next stage of their life because they'll be too nervous about doing it right or they don't know what to do. Um, something like the fertility ritual, for example, or a grieving ritual. I think it helps to have somebody hold the energy for you, you know, if it can be incredibly um, emotional one way or another. Um, and then if it's a group ritual, again, I, I keep going back to some people act like it's a Broadway show. You know, when I teach, um, how to, I, like I teach at One Spirit, second year students, how to create rituals. And I always tell them that, you know, it's not a Broadway show. It's not about performing. This is Bishop Shea, and we will be right back with Barbara Bijou. Stay tuned. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back. We now return to the power of ritual. It's not a Broadway show. It's not about performing. You are there to hold the energy so they could dip in and relax and you can guide them. So... You know, um, things like space clearing, you could do yourself if you are intuitive enough to sense what the energy is. I mean, again, you know, I can walk. I happen to be walked in a room because I've been trained. I've done it for 25 years. I could feel where the energy is stuck, where it's not. You may not be able to do that. So if you can't do it and you really want someone to clear the energy, then you can't do it alone. You could do it very superficially but you'll still be leaving things. So, you know, you want to know what your strengths are and what they're not. Are rituals forms of communication? Are rituals forms of communication? Yeah, I think they are actually, you know, because again, for me, every time I do a ritual, for me, I'm always connecting to spirit, always. You know, my morning ritual, before I get out of bed, I have a prayer I say, um, very simple. It's just spirit most high, I love you. And I open myself to receive your love. Spirit friends, I love you. And I open myself to receive your love. And then I say my own name. Barbara, I love you. And I open myself to receive your love. And then I get out of bed. So I'm always connecting. I think anything you're doing, if you're doing, you know, think of the tea ceremony in Japan. It's a ritual of acknowledging another person. You're really seeing them. You're honoring them because it's an honoring ritual. But you're also honoring the land that allowed the tea to grow. You know, you're honoring the the beauty because it's very important that it be beautiful. So you're expanding your, you know, your wide um, view of things when you're doing a ritual. It opens you up. Barbara, in a sense, you've kind of been alluding to this. Um, do, do rituals have power? And you, you're telling us that they do. Um, I do think they do, yes. Where, the power to do what and where does that power come from? Okay, again, it's not the power to manipulate because we're not talking about, you know, people are, you know, do, okay, I'm going to do a ritual now to make you fall in love with me. We're not talking about that kind of manipulative, which people do. Um, I'm simply talking about the power of 
In one way, you're connecting to your authentic power, which is more than your physical body. So you are connecting to yourself. You're connecting to your higher self. Um, it's also a way to connect to the ancestors. I, I do a lot of ancestor ritual. Now science has proved through epigenetics and other things that we inherit emotions, not just, you know, physical conditions. So it's funny. It's sort of someone once told me one century's magic is the next century's science. And when it comes to ritual, when I first started, I know that people thought I was nuts. I, I think I didn't know what they thought, but I was going to show up naked killing chickens or something. But, you know, they had this version of that's what a ritual is. And they forgot that they do Christmas rituals or Thanksgiving rituals or wedding. You know, they're forgetting the regular ones. Um, once you start reminding them, then people understand the power. But think of even, I was talking to some Wall Street guys once, and they're going, oh, we don't have any rituals. I said, really? What happens if you're not looking at, you know, your Wall Street Journal in the morning or whatever? They go, oh, my day's ruined. I'm going, hello, talk about power. It had the power to focus them, you know. So, and of course, we give it power, too. I think, I don't want to be superstitious about it. So, you know, I'm not ritualizing, you know, talking about black cats and going under, you know, ladders. We're not, even though there's a reason why they started that. If you know the reason, then you don't have to be superstitious anymore. But, um, so we tend to empower rituals and it still all comes down to, to me and my personal relationship to God, to spirit, whatever that is. What's the relationship of consciousness to ritual? Well, again, I know people who unconsciously do things and they may get some results, just like anything you do that's conscious versus unconscious. Sometimes it may work, sometimes it doesn't work. But the more conscious you are, I also believe the more messages you get in ritual. So, for example, I do a woman's new moon ritual every month. And part of it is to, you know, kind of dive deeply into your heart and open up and people receive guidance, you know, so if you're not conscious, you might miss what it's even telling you. It's just like a lot of time intuition whispers very softly. It doesn't, you know, it's not like Moses hearing God, you know, giving, you know, the 10 commandments, it could be a whisper. And if you don't pay attention, you can miss it. So the more conscious you are, the more you're able to catch those whispers. Um, ritual works with symbol a lot, and symbols to me are the language of the soul when we talk about words. So symbols are really the language. You know, you see a circle, it means something special. You know, uh, a sun, a moon, it just goes deeper than our ordinary waking consciousness. It's interesting because I've been kind of struggling with the uh, uh, the question of what what really is the difference between ritual and magic. And in a sense, I think you may have given us a hint of that. And that is that is this relationship of consciousness to ritual. Ritual seems to be a kind of externalization of this deep inner journey, right? Mm -hmm. It's somehow you there is this fascinating acting out of what really is a deeply internal. Um, an internal walking, you're walking into some deeper elements of yourself. Would you agree or disagree? I would agree. And I think we, we confuse, quote, magic. I think it's magical. Ritual can be magical versus magic. You know, I know there are people who practice 
magic. And to me, they're trying to manipulate forces. And I'm not interested in that, to be honest. This is a magical journey. And um, for me, ritual should never harm anyone. It should never have any harm involved. Otherwise, then you're playing with other forces that I'm not interested in. Um, Barbara, what, what are some of your rituals? My personal rituals? I don't know how much time do you have. <laughs> we have enough time. Please. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I definitely have, you know, my morning ritual and I have my evening ritual because my evening ritual is really about letting go. I also have rituals now because of being on Zoom so much. So when I go, before I go on a Zoom meeting, number one, I clear my energetic space. Because just like if I had a person who came here to see me or I was in an office, you know, I don't, even if they're the nicest person in the world, I don't want their energy. And the more empathic you are, um, the more you can just pull in other people's energy. So I'm very conscious of clearing energy and then putting a protection around me. Again, not superstitious. It's like if it's raining, I'm going to wear a raincoat. Before I talk to someone, I want to put an energetic, you know, bubble around me. Um, so that's one ritual I do where I imagine um, either a double rainbow or I like golden mesh myself. So what could I say? I'm a glitz girl. So, you know, I imagine a golden mesh around me where it's so tiny, the lights that only high pure light can come in and nothing else can enter. So I'm not harming anyone. I'm just protecting myself. At the end of the day, I close my computer, even if I want to use it later for fun. I close it. I light a candle and I thank, basically thank the day and say, work is over. I'm now shifting. And then if I have to open it up for fun, it's a different energy. You know, so I do things like that a lot. Um, what else do I do? Uh, um, I do a lot of gratitude rituals. And if I'm feeling at all in any kind of um, worry or anxiety about money or whatever, um, my ritual is to walk around thanking money for everything I have. Literally, thank you, money, for my apartment. Thank you, money, for my shirt. Thank you, money, for my tea. That, for me, just opens up the energetic vibration. And I also, like I said, I do prosperity rituals if I need it or manifestation rituals if I need it. I have another ritual that I really like. There are times over COVID that it just felt like life was too hard. So I created it's too hard altar. And when it got too hard, I just would write a letter and literally hand it over. I have an angel, my angel Imuna, who's the guy, the angel of faith on an altar. And that's my, it's too hard altar. You do it for me. Sort of like let go and let God. That was one I created over COVID that I hadn't done before that I find very um, useful for me. Um, I also, I clean my altar every season, always. You know, even if I love it, I take it apart. I clean the crystals. I'll put in fresh flowers, whatever. Because, again, right now we're coming into spring. It's a new energy. You know, so I want to do something that honors spring. And um, I do blessing rituals when I walk. I walk almost every day now. So I'll spend, I'll decide how much time I want, maybe five minutes, 10 minutes, 15. Everything I see, I bless. So I'll bless the trees, and I like to touch them, too. It grounds me. You know, I'll bless a bus for letting people go safely. I'll bless people's shoes for keeping, you know, letting them walk easily. You know, whatever I, whatever I see, I bless. 
So that's another ritual I do constantly. Yeah. Need more? <laughs> no, these are wonderful. I have to ask you though: Do you have to be religious uh, to be? I don't think you have to be religious. I find that even people who are not religious, they still connect to nature. I haven't met anybody who doesn't connect. And when you when you see a beautiful sunset, you you feel there's something bigger than you. They might not be religious in that sense, but they know there's something bigger than that. So um, usually with people who, quote, aren't religious, I'll do things like that, working with nature for them. And I find that's really useful. Okay. i got to ask the question. Go ahead. What got you into <laughs> rituals? Well, I really think what got me into it was with my sister, the fact that that was the one thing, and I didn't even say it. Before that, I mean, I had years of therapy and counseling and spiritual. I mean, I tried everything. I tried, you know, meditation, whatever. Nothing really cured me, helped me, healed me the way it did. And then I'm a Sag, so I'm just really curious. So I was lucky. I could travel, and I would just go talk to everyone. And I was very blessed to have some amazing teachers, you know, from – Thomas Spinaka, um, Native American, to like I said, Jean Houston, Angelus Arian. You know, I had some wonderful people in Hawaii. I met some great people in Peru. You know, I was l- very lucky. I got to travel. And everywhere I went, my first question is, so what are your rituals? What's in your tradition? And I would be interviewing people and finding out and going to their ceremonies. I'd go to different churches, different temples. I, I wanted to just experience as much as I could. And the more I experienced, the more I understood how powerful it is. And everybody has their way of doing it, even if they think they don't. You know, there's ritual food, there's ritual clothing, there's there's so much, you know. Um, so I'm And I'm still learning. And, and I love the idea, right, as I said, for spring, that it used to be a new year. And some cultures are still celebrating it as a new year. And I love that. And when you see what they do in Persia, it's not that different than what they do in some other cultures. And you see the connections. Barbara, you, you mentioned altar uh, and altars. Uh, my, my mother used to have an altar. And uh, it, it made me uh, think about... Tell us a little bit from your perspective, what is an altar and what can, and what should be in an altar? Well, I don't know if anything should be in an altar. I think an altar is something that will uplift you and connect you again. So, for example, do I even have one here? I have one here. I'll show you. I have a little one. So, I was doing a workshop the other day, and I had people make altars. And this was an altar um, that we created. So, and if you could see it, okay, so first of all, on my altar, and this is not traditional, I have a little Hawaiian hula dancer, because this was to remind me I need to have more fun, and it's now opening up, I have a candle that I lit, um, I have different crystals and shells representing all of the intentions for spring, this was my spring altar, so what do I want to bring in and create and because the shells represented um, the ocean, I also had that. I have a spiritual figure here of a couple because that's important for me to bring in partnership. And then we did an ancestor ritual. So I have some things from the ancestor ritual and offering that we made. 
I have some money representing prosperity, so from a feng shui. And then I have a beautiful chrysalis stone gave me that says love and one that says wisdom. So here's my altar. Now, the key to an altar is you have to respect it, keep it clean. It's not a place to put your coffee cup or your car keys or whatever. And, you know, that's why I love this because kids could do this. You know, kids could draw pictures and make a spring altar. You know, it's a great thing to do with your family, actually. I did space clearing the other day for a family, and there was a six-year-old boy who walked around with me ringing a bell. He was my helper. He understood. And then, you know, we all, everybody picked crystals for their intention, and he picked them too. So, you know, you can include family. And, of course, you could do a spiritual altar if you want with all spiritual elements. Um, I like to have something of all the, you know, elements. That's why I have air, water, fire, and earth um, on mine, no matter what it is. But this is a whimsical one, and we're a fun kind of altar. And then, you know, I have different altars. I have a prosperity altar in my prosperity section of my house. You know, if I were ill, I might create a healing altar. And like I said, I always have a little, you know, it's too hard altar in case I get in trouble and I need help and support from the angels or my guides. So then I write a letter to them, you know, but it's something that, again, lifts you up. And I think it should be higher than lower. I don't like altars on the floor particularly. I like to be able to look up to them. But it could be just on a shelf. It doesn't have to be a huge space. I know people have gigantic altars. And then you can have smaller, you know, just little things that you look at it. Traveling altars. You know, I know people who've created traveling altars. So when they go to a hotel or something, maybe they have their favorite crystal with them or something just reminds them of safety, reminds them of connection. So that's why the symbols are really very personal. It's really interesting to me because as you as you speak both of ritual and altar, it seems to me that one of the most beautiful elements of rituals is how much it really dignifies and honors our own inner life. How it yes. kind of, it, please speak to that. You know, when you said that, I just think of my time in India, where there's an a you know there's an altar everywhere. You know, I mean, you could have an, a a store that's the size of my laptop, and you still have an altar to the ancestors. So it's just something that, for that moment in time, whatever that you know ritual is that you're doing, even if it's a three minute ritual, it just shifts you. It opens up. Um, resources that you didn't have before. And it's a real honoring of your life. And I think that's when I talk about radical self-care, I think the thing underneath it is we need to treat ourselves as precious. And when you treat yourself as precious, then you make better choices. So in honoring, by doing these rituals, you're honoring yourself, you're honoring your family, you're honoring your friends, you're honoring your life, you're treating things as precious gifts from God, you know, and that changes everything. You know, I, I, I was very blessed to work with someone in Hawaii, and I remember her saying somebody came and they were kind of dirty and asking for food, and she invited them into her house. And her grandson, you know, said, Grandma, why are you inviting this dirty person? 
And she goes, I'm not inviting a dirty person. I'm inviting God. They just have a different face. And I never forgot that. That must be 30 years ago now. Um, you know, so I know we can't all be there all the time. Not everybody, including me and probably all of you, can't always be in that space. But it's a great place to aspire to. You know, so it, they are they are honorings. You know, now when... And one of the things I learned from her about that is like if somebody's on the street and they're asking me for money, the first thing I do if I decide I'm going to give it is I look them in the eye and I ask them their name. And I've had people cry and say, nobody's asked me my name in weeks or months. One person said, no one has asked me what my name was in a year. And that really broke my heart. You know, so if I, if you're going to do something for someone, do it with honoring. Make it a ritual of kindness. You know, for me, I, I like to go buy people food. That's my thing. But but ask them what they want to eat. Don't decide that you're going to give them what you want to eat. You know, you say, what would you like, even if you hate it? You know, if you're even if you're a vegetarian and they want a ham sandwich and you're going to do something good, buy them a ham sandwich. That's what they need. So those are rituals of kindness and consciousness and honoring. And that's different from just haphazardly pulling out a dollar from your pocket and just throwing it at somebody and giving them charity. So, Rita, we should be carrying these rituals through our lives. It's not just something we do when we go home. It's not just something that we do when we go to church. It's not just somewhere that we do when we go out into nature. You know, what I'm hearing is this is something that we need to bring fully into our lives and interact with daily um as we you know travel this space and it should bring you joy too i mean we don't want it to be hard work and it's like oh no i have to do another ritual it's not about that you know and again like any practice if it doesn't work for you don't do it do something else you know there's a hundred ways to meditate you know if one doesn't work try another one um so again we have to let go of the shoulds you know we're not recreating a strict Catholic ritual or a strict Jewish ritual or a strict Hindu ritual. This is more, I don't know, lifestyle ritual. I don't even know if we'd call it that, but you know, it's a, so make sure that it's something that opens, opens up your heart when you do it. And I think that's also really important that you want it to be things you enjoy. And then if you enjoy it, you'll do more of it. Barbara, as uh, we have a few more minutes before we close, and, and I was wondering, might you be able to lead us through a closing ritual? Sure, why not? So we're going to do a very simple ritual, and all you need is a candle, a glass of water, and then anything that represents earth. I happen to be using crystals, but you can use seeds you could use grain you could use a piece of fruit anything you have around the house and that's all you need we're going to start by put your hands lightly on your heart and let's just breathe into your heart for a moment imagine you could just access the qualities of the heart center breathing in deep compassion Breathe it in. Breathing in unconditional love. Knowing there's nothing you have to do to deserve it. 
It's your birthright. Beautiful. Breathing in deep peace right now. Just imagine your heart can soften and open. That peace beyond understanding. That center point in the midst of chaos. And breathing in the healing presence. The ability we all have to bring healing both to ourselves and to others. And imagine from the soles of your feet now, you can drop two beautiful golden grounding cords into the earth. Just like a tree has roots. See these roots now going deeper past any layer of concrete all the way down to the center of Mother Earth. And in your mind's eye, I want you to imagine a beautiful lake of pink tourmaline crystalline energy in the heart of the mother. And imagine you could just wrap your roots around some of this energy and now pull it up, 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 past your earth star chakra beneath your feet, all the way into your physical body, your chakra system, and anchoring it in your heart. Beautiful. As we set our intention to bring in new resources this season, gently open your eyes as we light a candle now to call in spirit. As we're connecting to the energy of both fire and air. Connecting to the air now. We call in the energy of air for new beginnings to open up our minds, bring us new ideas. Calling forth the energy of this fire now to bring us into right relationship bringing us compassion, passion. And I have some water here. As this water represents bringing in flow now, opening our intuition, our ability to be in our dream time, to understand cycles, and especially, though, to bring in flow wherever there's any rigidity. And then we call on the earth element now, these crystals representing earth, to open us up now to physical healing and to bring to us all the physical elements that we need to walk the spiritual path with practical feet, the money, the resources, the connection, the knowledge. You've been listening to our series, Open Heart Conversations, offering dialogues from the world's religions and spiritual traditions, recorded here at the United Palace of Spiritual Arts. We look forward to you visiting us sometime in Manhattan or online at upspiritualarts.org. Until next time. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 